0: Hey, what's up, guys? Excited to be with you here on the podcast today and uh, really excited to share this episode with you. Um, This episode is with the great Nate Trosky of Trosky Baseball over there in California. And uh, this episode was actually a part of the Youth Baseball Summit, which is about a year and a half ago now. And, uh, man, so many good interviews from that. But this one was one of the most... uh, Unique, I guess, would be a way to say it. As just a guy that is about that life, right? Like Nate is here to help baseball players get better, and no fluff, very direct. I think you're going to appreciate, um, you know, the the way that he shares his truth here in this next uh, episode because uh, it's really eye-opening. And if you have a kid who's 14, 15 years old and wants to make a serious run at This baseball or softball career, um, I would highly recommend you have them listen to this episode. So, one of the big focuses that we talk about here in this episode is you know, because Nate's done a lot of work overseas. He's worked in, you know, dozens of different countries in a high capacity Dominican, Germany, Holland, you name it, he's been there. And what are they doing that we're not? What can we learn from them and their practice habits? If you've heard the statement, everyone wants to be a beast until it's time to do what beasts do, right? And I think that applies here. And uh, anyway, just uh, a very interesting conversation. I really think you're gonna enjoy it. And uh, before we get to it, let me read this week's Bulletproof Hitter review of the week. I just had to reach out and say thank you. We watched the first four videos this last weekend and he had several hits all to the outfield. It's been amazing to see the transformation. And on the quiz for self one versus self two, when you ask what thoughts he had before he steps in the box, his response was, don't screw this up. We were able to talk through him with that and how that was able to apply to him. And he took it from there. It's amazing to see his confidence grow just this week and his love come back for the game. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah, awesome to hear he's having success, and uh, that's the same answer everybody has to that question, and uh, for those of you unfamiliar, in the program, we ask, what are you thinking about when you're up there uh, ready to perform up there at the plate, and uh, it's always some version of, uh, I hope I don't mess up, and uh, anyway, this program gives them some steps to take whenever they feel that, so they can sort of interrupt that chatter, so so thanks for sending that in, excited it's helping, and uh, anyway, without further ado, here's the interview with Mr. Nate Trosky. <laughs>
1: Um, One of the things with your bio uh, that really is interesting to me is how much you've traveled. You've coached for all different national teams and been to just seems like any country that plays baseball, you've been there. And, uh, And I've always wondered what other countries are doing from a training standpoint that's better than what we're doing here. And I've even asked a few coaches who are from the Dominican, you know, what they're doing differently, especially in the infield. Right. That makes them so good because. You know, a country that small that makes up so much of our major leaguers, uh, you know, has got to be doing something different. So I asked them, and they're like, you know, they have a deep passion for the game, you know, a desire to play in the US. It's it's sunny 365 days a year and that type of thing. And I'm like, man, okay, that's, I'm sure that matters and everything, but there's got to be something more. So uh, let me throw that out there to you to see if you have a take on it. Um, Have you seen any training methods out there when you've been to the Dominican or any of these Latin countries that, um, you know, you think is better than what we teach here. Um, just to begin, I would say that I've, I've coached
2: in probably 15 countries from South Africa to Japan, to China, to Mexico, to Holland, to Germany, to Belgium, to Czechoslovakia, you name it, Italy. Um, and what you'll notice is that athletes are just athletes. Um, it doesn't matter if you're from South Africa, if you're from California, um, an athlete is an athlete. And when you're categorized as an athlete, that means you're, you're athletic. So it doesn't really matter if you're Dominican, uh, from Mexico, from Los Angeles. Um, and I think that's really eye-opening because a lot of times we give credit to the descendant of the player. Uh, and it's not so, I mean, yeah, certain cultures bring a certain kind of feel. And I think in the Dominican, they have a very, uh, kind of salsa type feel which is feel good upbeat uh, and they take that into their baseball because that's their culture so i think there's cultural influences but an athlete's an athlete and we see in the big leagues we see there's athletes that are all shapes and sizes so it's not necessarily i need to be tall Um, i need to be you know over 200 pounds Um, there's plenty of small players that dominate the game and I've been with the Milwaukee Brewers and the California Area Code Baseball uh, organization uh, with the Brewers and, you know, had the opportunity to coach some of the best players in the world. And the last three years, uh, Hunter Green and Royce Lewis were the first two picks in the draft this year. And and they were our um, on our club and along with a bunch of other top draft picks. Uh, Nick Prado was another first rounder. And, and you know, when you, when you look at those types of players, you say, okay, well, we'll, the scouts and college coaches are always saying we need guys with long levers and guys that are tall and you know that fit this physical profile. But I would say in the last four years in the area code games, our best outfielders were guys that were five eight with short arms with short levers. And so it's so the point is is not you need to have short arms or long arms. The point is is you need to develop, and and you can take an athlete and give him an opportunity to to develop and. And I, and I would say the Dominicans, what they do different is they have a whole other level of development. And one is because they have time. See, time's not an element in the Dominican because school in America is a factor. We have, we have lots of cultural responsibilities from from uh, graduation to um, responsibilities at school, family responsibilities. Um, a lot of kids work. You know, and Now they're thinking, I need to have a car when I'm 16 and I need to go to the prom. So that means I need to I need a tuxedo. So this all requires, it's all great stuff and it helps the, the human being develop. But when you think of developing from the athletic or the side of the game where you wanna become a professional, they have, you know, they talk about the 10,000 hours. Well, you could say a Dominican might have his 10,000 hours and by the time he's 14 and our American kids typically don't ever even get 10,000 hours. So they're there at a whole nother level Um, because they don't have the responsibilities that we have Uh, a lot of the Dominican kids don't even go to school Um, and so what are they doing all day and uh, my recipe for um, success is pretty simple it's the highest number of predictable quality repetitions so it's the highest number of quality predictable repetitions. so my highest number of reps for a predictable rep might be a backhand. So the the highest number of reps I have at a backhand. So if you're a middle infielder and I'm a middle infielder and we're both playing on the varsity team and we're both seniors, well, if I have 20,000 reps in on my backhand and you have 200 and we're both athletic, who's gonna be better at the backhand? Of course I will be. Right. Um, There's no comparison. So now if I take the highest number of quality predictable reps and I take all the predictable reps of an infielder, from a forehand to a slow roller to a backhand, to all the different variations of plays that I have to make. And if I can incorporate the highest number of repetitions in all those different variations. Now, predictable rep means I'm I'm purposely working on that rep. Well, then the the second component to success is the highest number of unpredictable reps at game speed, game focus, game challenge. So now you think of the Dominican kids. So uh, last year, I was in the Dominican. I'll be there in about a month working with the German national team, which I've been working with for many years. And we've been going to the dominican for about eight years and uh last year one of my observations was you know we're on the field with players uh, our players and then we take breaks and and i just go observe the dominican guys and we get we've got to know them well because we've been out there for so many years and we develop a lot of strong relationships with their coaches and their and their um organizations and um you know you'll see an infielder you know work f- maybe three hours on predictable reps and then he'll just take fungos for like an hour and a half where he doesn't know where the ball is going, incorporating a throw. So you're going, okay, he got more in one day literally than our guys will
1: get maybe in a month. So you're wow, going, they'll okay. take, literally an hour and a half. They'll take the fungos. huh? just keep it going, huh?
2: Yeah. Well, there's nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. Right. And you have one goal in your mind. I mean, the goal is one, literally the, the goal is one. and the, And the one goal is as I'm going to be a major league player and I'm going to be an impact player because an impact player makes money you know, you can, you can sign and get to the big leagues, but it doesn't mean you're making any money. Right. So, so they, they have a goal of I am going to be an impact player in the big league. So when they're on the field, they don't have like things to go do. They don't want to go to the skate park later or go shoot hoops or, you know, they live the game. They just don't love the game. And I was just with a fellow Dominican the last four days. He was staying at my house. He's from the Dominican. And he always tells me over and over, Nate, we don't love the game. We live it. We live it. We live it. And his nephew, he just sent me a text this morning and he constantly reminds me, he says, coach, I'm the chosen one. I'm the chosen one. My time is now, coach. My time is now. I'm the chosen one. He just tells me over and over. Now, when you have that type of perspective and intent, you're at a whole nother level. American kids don't talk like that. So one, he believes and two, he works for it daily and hourly. And it's not necessarily the highest number of instructioned See, see, we have instruction, we, we go out and we'll have uh, teams. So we have teams and then we do team workouts. And most of our practice time as as an American is with a team, right? And how mm-hmm. many infielders literally go or catchers really go to a lesson, right? The typical infielder doesn't get very much instruction outside of practice. So let's just talk infield play. So if you think of the average American infielder, he goes to practice. And if it's not a designated defensive practice, he's going to do defensive work for maybe 15 minutes.
1: You mm-hmm. know,
2: stagnant, predictable, short hops. And half the time, he's not even paying attention because they're so easy, right? Right. And every time he's practice, he's going, oh, short hops again, right? And they're not even hard. And then half the time, his partner can't even throw them. <laughs> right. That's true, yeah. Choppers in between hops, guy's getting dosed off his chest. He's like, what are we doing here, right? So I right. coach really throwing him, like, sidearm and skipping them nice, you know? don't really work so it's kind of like a kid giving you bad soft toss right it's just worthless so you so okay now infield drills are over you got 12 minutes in there and now you do team team stuff and you're standing around 90 percent of the time and then at the end they might get you a few fungos right so then practice is over and you do two practices a week okay that guy's becoming a good infielder are you kidding well Dude, that's not even five minutes of an infielder's uh, day in the Dominican. So that kid went to practice and he thinks he worked hard. He didn't didn't work on anything. And then the guy that works hard, according to the American standard, he'll say, Dad, can you give me some fungos, ground balls after practice, right? So he'll stick around for 15 extra minutes and he'll get some ground balls. But what what does his dad hit him? He hits 95% of them are just routine ground balls right at him. And he never Uh incorporates a throw because there's no one to throw to. So he goes, oh, 15 minutes of fungos, they're easy plays, uh, like, 15 to 20 percent of the ground balls in a game anyways are routine ground balls it's like and we work on the routine play 99 percent of the time hey dad let me finish with a couple backhands in the hole right and the dad can't even hit him or the coach can barely hit him like it too right so we go back to the recipe of, of the recipe for greatness is the highest number of repetitions predictable and unpredictable the americans aren't even on the map they're not even in the game and that's a that's a problem so Going back to what we have to do is we have to live the game. And if we don't live the game, we're not going to compete at a high level because you're going to see, like yourself, most guys are guys that get to A ball and they're done. And I I don't know if you put, did you play higher than A ball? No, A ball, man. That was me. You know what I mean? I I got there and I got got pushed out after that. So. And you're like every other American. No one gets past A ball. I mean, if you really think about it, how many guys do you know? I know probably 20,000 guys that played in the minor leagues and probably 2% got to double A and a half a percent right made a living in the big leagues so you go we're just all a bunch of a ballers okay and and on the real map a ball doesn't even exist if you think about mm-hmm. the map of professional baseball so you go okay so in america we're not developing big leaguers we're developing a ballers and we're not even developing them because I, I, a guy like yourself who's a talented you know college player you you make it because you have talent See, no one ever typically develops the talent of our American players because they don't spend enough time focused on something specific. So if I want to be a great guitar player, I can't play twice a week for 10 minutes. I mm-hmm. play eight hours a day for seven days a week. And that's what the Dominican does with his glove. He throws the ball off the wall, plays pickle, plays long toss, plays catch, gets ground balls, just throws the ball off a staircase. So the ball is coming back, um, plays pepper. And he's doing it not necessarily just because he feels like he's working. He's doing it because he lives it. He loves it. So the guitar player that literally loves to play the guitar, he becomes the best guitar player, not because he's from Spain, or he's from France, or he's from LA. It's because of what he did, his work, his
1: commitment to you know to loving what he does. Um, Right. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. That's a great answer. I hadn't, hadn't thought of the, didn't realize the time difference was such a, you know, uh, such a, a difference, you know what I mean? Um, so it sounds like it's almost a, a gap that can't be bridged. I mean, we've got obligations here, you know, I mean, it sounds like, you know, working harder in practice. Um, you know, from what you said, is it more like um, individual work in practice is lacking here in the States? Or is there is there something that you've, you see us doing from training standpoint that could be improved even though we do have school and all these different time commitments um you know what do you think would be better than what we're typically doing now the thing it depends on what your intent is so ultimately it
2: comes down to what is your goal in the game because like for you um and i'm just going to use you as an example because yeah cause together but like where did you play college baseball
1: uh, so I played at Fresno city college to get started. And then, uh, Texas tech and Loyola Marymount's where I finished out. Okay, so
2: so he so finishes as a division one player and a professional player. Now every kid in America wants to be a division one player and would like to sign a pro contract. So you fulfilled like, the, the bottom end of a top end dream, which would be the big leagues. And, the, and you know, everybody would like to be in the hall of fame, but you, right. reach, you reach the percentage that no one even, what percentage even becomes division one, what percentage becomes professional. So in America, you're like a hero. Literally, if you, if you go to a high school park, like, whoa, man, he played D one. Whoa, he's right. Sung. But, but when you get around big leaguers, they would think you're a scrub and they would think I'm a scrub. Did you play mm-hmm. a ball? You can get out of a ball. <laughs> right you think about it really all these guys walk around in the states going yeah i signed i played pro ball you go to uh big league spring training and go hang out with some big leaguers and you tell them you got released in a ball they're going to think you're not very good but if you walk around the the world like amongst college campuses and you, mm-hmm. you go back to lmu and they go yeah this is this is coach here and you know he signed a pro con people go whoa man cool oh you played pro ball Dude, you don't even, I mean, in the big scheme of things. So what do we really want? Do we want to get released in A ball? I mean, I mean, literally, I mean, it's, it's a very important question because if, if you're happy, because some guys are happy, hey, I want to just play division one, I'll be stoked to get a year or two in the minor leagues and I'm gonna go get a job, right? right. If that's your intent, that's great. You can continue with the recipe of, 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 you know, how we do it here in the States. But if you want to be a big leaguer, literally, if you want to be a big leaguer and an impact division one player, you you can't train like the rest of the other guys and see the dominicans they're separating themselves they're trying to separate themselves amongst big leaguer so when i'm working with i'll give you an example so i work with my two nephews daily about three hours a day and their intent it's not my intent i just give them information to consider and to, to think about but we talk about separation amongst the elite because everybody in a ball is elite right everybody right. In the division is elite so Now I must separate myself among those guys. So if I'm going to be the starting shortstop in A-ball and make the futures team and then get to the big leagues and then actually take, you know, Brandon Crawford's job, I have to train at a different level. I can't just take my, you know, bucket of ground balls and do 15 minutes of drills and go home. So it really comes down to your intent. And for most players, most players, one, don't have the self-discipline and they also don't have the um they don't have the, you know, they don't have the envi- the culture around them that would allow them to practice that much. Right. So, so, so with my nephews, for example, we go three, at least three hours a day, every single day. Wow. How and old are they? They're a freshman and sophomore. Um, Got it. So, so one, we clocked him last month at ninety-three miles an hour, and and the other one has um, numerous full scholarships coming out of eighth grade. Oh and wow. And so, and the other one will have plenty to come. He, he's just uh, taking a little, a little different route to receiving, you know, his scholarships. But just my point is, is that the reason why he throws 93 is because we are on a developmental program every day. And when he gets out of school at 3.30, they either work out before school, also, you know, at 5.30, go to school, then after school, they Go home, settle in just for a few minutes, and then they go meet me till we we practice till about seven at night. So we go from like three thirty to seven, and they have a whole routine to get them going for an hour before I even do anything. See, most kids will practice for an hour and they go home. They're getting right. warm up for an hour. Literally, they warm up for an hour, but they do without me being there because I've taught them a great warm up. Because if they want to be pros and separate themselves from the elite, they have to have they have to train like pros. Right now, at the age of fourteen and 50. you have to can't train like you're 14 or 15 because you're trying to separate yourself. So the point is, is they want to be big leaguers. They mm-hmm. they, they don't need me to go to college. You know, any good athlete, right, ends right. up going to college and he finds a way through college because he's a good athlete. You know, and every new year of graduation, there's a new crop coming and we're, every college is looking for good athletes and they're out there. But the question would be is how much... Is is how how are we developing these athletes, and are we really giving these guys an opportunity to 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 to, to uh, reach their ceiling? And I, I would say, like in your situation, if I was training you since you were you know ten years old, and you probably would, you might be still playing right now, Because right. when you get to a ball, everybody's good. You're in a ball not because someone did a favor. You didn't went to a ball because you're talented. But right. now, the question is, is how do you separate yourselves amongst them? So in the Dominican, just to kind of summarize all this, the Dominican, what they do better than we do is they don't have so much coaching. See, one of the biggest problems is coaches. When you throw a ball off a wall for the highest number of reps for over and over and over, there's certain drills that are self-teaching drills and the, and the body organizes itself. Nikolai Bernstein said the body will organize itself to accomplish the goal of the activity. So if I throw a ball off a wall over and over and I'm trying to get rid of it quickly, my body will find balance and efficiency and it'll find repeatability. So if I throw a ball off a wall, literally ten times in a row fast and I got to get rid of it fast, so kind of just pick in and out, in and out, right? feel the ball in and out. Well, what happens is I'm working at game speed. My actions are going to all the stuff that I teach about hands out in front, center chest, go to the slot, uh, uh, have a direction, be aligned. Um, all those components are a product of actually just doing this act. See, the Dominican kid, he'll go out and he'll throw a ball for walls, just say for three hours, okay, and he might get four hundred reps in three hours, I'd say, and maybe twenty percent of him he's doing it at game speed. The rest he's just cruising, but he is developing feel and hand-eye coordination. So then, when he does them at game speed, what happens is his body has to find efficiency because when you work fast, you're either going to fall over. Or you're not going to be able to repeat because your ball is going to be a bad, you're going to have a bad arm slot. It's going to hit the wall at a different angle. It's going to go back to a different angle, and you're going to have to run like 10 feet to go get it. So right. what happens is you probably will find efficiency because I have to get to a. So when you look at a major league in, infielder throwing, which which I figured this out about 12 years ago, I started looking at when pictures started getting kind of common. Before when when we were younger, real young, there wasn't a lot of photos and video, right? Mm-hmm. You see. pictures you can go online right now and just see thousands of infielders throwing. So about 12 years ago, I started doing that before this became really popular. And I started to notice that every single infielder throws from the exact same arm slot. Now, I'm not talking about release point. I'm talking about slot. They all looks like they're all throwing a punch and every infielder does the same thing. Now, they're not doing that because they were taught that they're doing that because the body organizes itself to accomplish the goal of activity. Meaning, if I have to get the ball on a straight line to first base with a guy who runs 4-1 to 4-3 down the line, right, with repeatability, I have to get to that arm slot. Because if I don't, I'll have sink, I'll have cut, I'll have my throws going to be all over the map. I'm not going to have carry. I'm not going to have repeatability. My arm's going to hurt. So, for them to maintain and sustain their job at shortstop, your arm has to find that efficiency. So, you go, why does every shortstop have the exact same arm slot? Because the body organizes itself on its own. You don't have to tell the athlete. And the problem here in America is everybody's trying to tell everybody how to do it. And that's the second biggest problem, because when you're thinking and trying to do something, your body already knows how to do. You don't do it well. You become stiff, rigid and unathletic because you're trying to do something. So when you watch a Dominican kid, he has the best actions in the world, not necessarily because someone told him exactly how to do it. A lot of it is because they told him not what to do. So the body starts to function with fluidity. It just flows and has rhythm and balance. And then they use the wall to get the highest number of reps where the wall challenges you. Because if I'm going to get rid of the ball once I catch it immediately, it's like I just turned 47 double plays in five minutes. And then what do you think happens to my arm slot? It goes to the shortest, most efficient, uh, repeatable slot it can get to. Because I'm getting rid of it over and over and over and over so it's it's a lot of it is is them just loving the game and going out and and doing things when they hit in the streets they're not getting coached there's no kidding coaches they find athleticism feel rhythm timing hand-eye coordination from hitting caps with sticks so if I'm in the street hitting as a Dominican I'm gonna get 40 at bats maybe a day at game speed, game focus, game challenge. No one tells me how to put my feet. Nobody does. No one tells them how to grip the bat. The body is going to organize itself if he's an, if he's an athlete. So what happens is these kids learn how to hit the way we know it takes to hit in the big leagues. The way it hits to hit in the big leagues, you have to have rhythm, timing, feel, hand-eye coordination, flow, and that's what they get in the street. We don't get that hitting in a cage when some guy's telling you how to do everything, and that's what the guy's getting paid for, Johnny. Going to hit with Coach Mike, right? Coach Mike says, Well, Johnny, I don't like your grip. We're gonna change your grip, we're gonna change your elbow position, your knees gotta be this way, your feet gotta be this way, and Johnny can't hit. Well, that's that's how we teach Americans how to do everything, right? Pay a professional to teach you, but the, the point is it's the opposite. You don't need to teach me. So, like with with when I'm working with my nephews, there's certain principles that you have to have, but they're so simple, and that's why the Hall of Famers. Like my grandfather, Cody Bellinger, just broke his home run record last year. My grandpa's record stood since 1936. And his rookie year, he had um, 142 RBIs. He batted 330. He had 36 home runs. So he's the leading rookie in the history of the game. Well, my grandfather learned to play like the other Hall of Famers with no coaches. No coaches. And that's what the Dominicans are doing today. And and there's a problem right now in the Dominican because they're getting coached now like the Americans. It's happening right now. It's in filtering all this video and because they're getting phones now and they think that technology is the secret. No, the secret is, is no technology. Why do you think all the Hall of Famers are in the Hall of Fame? Willie Mays didn't have technology. That's why he's in the Hall of Fame, because no one told Willie how to hit. See, the body organized itself to accomplish the goal of the activity. My grandpa is one of the greatest of all time. His third year, he had hit 162 RBIs at the age of 23. That record was only broken by Manny Ramirez, who had more games they played 154 games back then and Manny Ramirez had very limited hitting coach because he's from the dominican and my grandfather had no hitting coach and you go hmm interesting why are these guys so good well it's a product of high number of reps letting the body organize itself and, and getting out of the way and letting these guys be athletic um, and learning by feel and doing that's a whole nother concept feel and doing which our guys learn by going to a lesson There's no feel and not much doing because in a lesson it's thirty minutes a week, right, or an hour a week, or right. So where's the feel and doing? There's not. Um, And then now I don't even know how to coach myself because I don't know about feel and do. So I just go hit in the street. My my brother tries to strike me out with a wolf of all in the backyard seven nights a week. Uh, Matt McLean was the best hitter in the area codes this year. He was our second baseman, and uh, as you know, the area codes are the top players in the country. Right. Uh, those two picks in this year's draft were, were our shortstop and uh, third baseman. Uh, Lewis was playing shortstop. He was playing some center field. Green was playing some center, excuse me, some shortstops and third base and some pitching. And so the area code guys, well, they're special guys. Well, Matt McClain was the best hitter this year in the area code games. And I was talking to Matt in between the inning. I said, Matt, you're a pretty good hitter. He was, he was dominating, which is not easy to do at, at, at that, you know, that event yeah no doubt said, there's good talent yeah i said matt you want to be a big leaguer he said yeah he said yeah I, I want to be a big leaguer i said uh you need to hit every night where someone tries to strike you out every night i like, that's what mickey mal did every night his dad tried to strike him out with a tennis ball he says coach nate i already do that he says my dad tries to strike me out every night at nine o'clock we have a date every night in the backyard and we go in the backyard and my dad tries to strike me and my brother out with wiffle balls i go oh there's no secret why you're the best here in the area games matt because you don't have the best swing. Everybody's got a good swing, right? And there it goes. Everybody's got a good swing in a ball. Everybody's got it. You know, it's like now it's like, how do you separate yourself? And Matt is not separating himself because he has this great hitting coach. He's got his dad. His dad's a businessman, right? His dad's not tweaking everything. His dad's leaving him alone and say, Matt, keep your head down. Matt, see the ball well, right? Simple stuff, simple stuff, simple stuff and giving him high number of reps. So it, it applies to the whole game from pitching to catching to hitting to infield, play. it doesn't matter. It's a principle that applies to everything. And I, we could talk about pitching too. All the greatest pitchers of all time, they didn't have pitching coach. Mariano Rivera didn't have a pitching coach. He had rocks in a cardboard box. Right. Throw for hours, but he lived it. And that's why he was the master of one pitch command. He could throw one pitch at any time, uh, you know, anywhere. And he's the greatest of all time. Well, it's because not because he had a pitching coach, not because he had a video camera, not because someone said, Hey, your hip's not your hip and feet are not lined up just right. It's like, dude, leave him alone. Um, right. Yeah, so- no, over
1: overcoaching seems to be a big, you know, problem in our in society and it's all well intentioned. You know what I mean? That's the the hard part. You don't want to be, you know, you see a kid that's messing up and you wanna help him out, but it's, you know, uh, trying to feel it out um, on their own so they can learn it on their own. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to, to bite your tongue. If you see something and everybody thinks they're an expert, you know what I mean? Whether they are or not, you don't know, but uh, everybody's trying to help out. And, uh, I can see where that's a big difference. You know what I mean? That's super, super interesting, but, uh, The problem goes, um,
2: problem is like, we go to, the kids go to practice. Let's just take it down to youth level. So I'm a, I'm a youth coach and we go out to practice and the kid's trying to hit and he doesn't hit all week. So we just talked about that. He comes to practice. He doesn't hit all week and he goes and I'm throwing him BP and he can't hit. So what am I trying to do? Fix him. See, he'll fix himself if he just goes hits in the backyard with his brother. Just go hit in the backyard. And, and your goal is to hit a line drive every time. You don't have to tell him to swing up or swing down and how to swing. Just say hit a line drive. And that's your goal every day in the backyard with your brother. Well, if he goes in the backyard with his brother every day and he shows to practice, I don't have to try to reinvent him. so the problem is we're trying to reinvent everybody because no one ever puts any reps in to develop feel and self-coach learn by just doing and feel so that's the whole problem so in america you got these kids they show up to practice and you know who's hitting every night well the kid who hits every night you don't have to tell him anything he's the best right. hitter and usually it's his dad who's his coach and his dad oftentimes is not a player a former player a lot of times it's a dad that just has passion a lot of times they're successful business people who are just hard-working man that they want the best for their kid, and they say, let's just go in the backyard and get reps. And the kid starts learning, and then you have a goal, hit line drives against the net. Now, it's an external focus goal, and it, and it starts to change his swing because he's not trying to hit the ball as far as he can, high as he can. He's just trying to hit line drives at the middle, and the swing just starts to find balance. It, tries, it starts to get on plane. Um, so, that kid shows up. Well, if we had our kids actually doing that, we don't have to try to reinvent because the point is, is what we were saying is we're trying to fix these kids. It doesn't work you're saying, Hey, you got two rounds of five swings and you're trying to tweak the guy's elbow. And he's like,
1: you know, you're trying to change it. (laughs) Right. Not working. Um, so yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Putting in that time, it's hard to find it, but if you want to be successful, I mean, there's no substitute for it as for sure. So, um, anyway, what's uh? quickly, I'm real interested in you. So I'm sure a lot of people, um, listening to you talk now are all fired up to put put in that time. I mean, um, just like with your nephews, there you say, "What well, you know, one hour's a warm up? What does that look like? What are you What are you doing with them for an hour? That's warming up. I mean, is it just the simple, just repetitions, ground balls? I mean, what does that look like? A, a practice with your nephews?
2: Sure. Um, so they typically, so the idea is, is their warm up precedes what we do at practice. So the warm up really is, um, they'll get to the park, they'll put their shoes on, they'll um, jump rope um, for about five to seven minutes. So they start a jump rope and then when when they're done jumping rope, they'll take a jog, they'll do their dynamic. uh, They'll do their agilities, they'll do dynamic touches. That's going to take another 10 minutes. So now you're in about 20 minutes and then you're going to go because flexibility is one of the biggest keys to being a high level athlete. That's one of the greatest separators is is lower half flexibility, not not shoulder flexibility, but lower half hip flexibility, hamstrings, growing hip flexors. Those are separators. So they take the time they actually stretch like pros. You know, I, from my experience, there nobody stretches. And if you tell someone to stretch on their own, no one will stretch. I'm mm-hmm. talking about college players aren't stretching unless they have to, unless they have great intent. And that's the difference. These guys want to be big leaguers. They want to make the area code team. They want to play at major division one. So when they show up to the park, they're just not like everyone else because they think differently. So then we go into, um, we go and they have a, they have a full f- foot speed quickness warm up. They do uh, and they have a shuffle series. That it's all functional for infield. Uh, and then they go throw a football for about 10 minutes um, and then they do their bands. So they do their bands. We throw before they throw their football bands takes about 10 minutes, mm-hmm. which is all strengthening, stability, durability. Um, and then they'll throw a football for about about 10 minutes and then they'll play long toss. Uh, we play long toss with softballs.
1: Is that football and, just to get them warmed up? Just a little heavier item to throw? Or what is the football for?
2: The football is for strength because it's heavy. Right. Um, so it's like throwing objects that are, you know, more than 5.5 ounces. So football is for shortening up their arm stroke. Um, it's for balance. It's for athleticism. And it's really clean. It really cleans up your arm stroke because you can't have any length or any funk in your arm stroke. But you can't throw a football well. So short arm stroke and then it develops arm strength. So we'll even go long toss. We'll go long toss with the softball. Uh, they're, they're Right now, they can throw it about 300 feet with the softball. And then when they come back, a lot of times before they come back, I'll have them grab the football now and then throw the football as far as they can. So they're developing strength because now they're hot and the football is heavy. So now they're throwing the football far as they can. And then they'll come back and they'll do a bunch of uh, – we call it hat drill. So we do a hat drill. They throw the baseball as hard as they can, but they have a lot of footwork. They do lots of different footwork and it's simple stuff. It's not rocket science, but it's it's about balance direction and momentum. Um, and you develop, uh, one, you keep your arms strong. And two, you develop um, carry and velocity when you use your legs, right? Um, so, and it doesn't, your, your arm takes, you know, no, no toll on your arm. And and a lot of times I'll show when we do infield camps, I'll have former minor league guys and even some big league guys. And they'll say, man, if if I would have known the footwork you're teaching your your guys right now, I could have played for 20 years Uh, because most guys just, you know, they're born with a good arm and they just kind of just hope it lasts versus they don't really know what they're doing. They just kind of throw and they're athletic and they just kind of figure it out. But if you can just add a few things to it, it's significant. So, and then, then basically right after that, um, we come in and then I usually show up. That that takes about an hour, and that that's like an everyday thing. And they'll go long toss every other day. But but um, and you'll see. I mean, the velocity, just just the arm strength is gone. Like Rowan went from eighty four to ninety three in three months. Um, he also grew a little too, so he's in a growth spurt. So it's not all just because he's doing our stuff, but but it is a combination. Um, and Jabin, he's he's up to about eighty four right now, and he's a freshman, mm-hmm. and he was throwing about seventy five a year ago. So. They'll be throwing, you know, Ron will probably throw hundred miles an hour by the time he's a senior. I would say probably pretty easy. And Javen, I'm not saying on the mound, I'm saying shuffling and throwing. Right. Javen will right. be throwing an easy low 90s. Now you go, okay, well, if 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 I never was in their, the picture where I helped them, see what happens is co- players in college that they're on a routine, right? High school players aren't. So college players are on a routine. That's why we'll see a guy who goes to college who was throwing eighty eight, he's throwing ninety-two now because he's on a weight program, regularly, He's on a band program, he's on a running program, he's on a conditioning core work, right? Practice program. he's on a very, very consistent program. Uh, In professional baseball, you don't train as much as college because you're playing every day, right? So pro guys, I mean, you are a grown man, but what's interesting in pro ball is, is it's up to you, right? You get to the park at two o'clock and you can do whatever you want. You're a pro. You know, it's not like you have to be at the field at eight to practice to work on your backhand. You're a pro. You need to have a good backhand. And if you don't have one, you better get it better on your own. So in college, it's kind of like you have to be here, 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 right? So we see this great jump. Well, if we can take the high school players and have them take more of a college approach to, to development, what you see is you're going, wow, these guys are actually, I mean, it's unbelievable what you see in, in the development. But like you said, there's, there's so little time. So you have to be really productive. And I I created a five tool calendar. So I came up with it last year because in the Dominican, they train five tools. And in in America, we don't. We go down and we play a little light catch with our dad or our buddy or our neighbor or our teammate, play catch at maybe 40, 60 feet. And then we'll take a few hacks and typically we'll go or for an infield, we'll take a few ground balls. And if we're a catcher, ah, let me throw a couple down a second. You didn't get any better. You didn't do anything. Um, really. So it's like, okay, so how are you actually developing tools, not w- warming up your tools? So, and if you look at the average American kid, he doesn't ever run fast unless he's told to run fast. Or if he's in a speed class. Well, speed classes aren't 12 months out of the year. Kids typically go in the winter if they even go to one, and it might last a month, six weeks, and that's it. So six weeks of speed training. So play the piano for six weeks out of the year, you're gonna be a good pianist? No, you won't be any better. You'll be the exact same guy five years ago if you play six weeks out of the year because that's not enough to even create development. Right. So right. We, we don't challenge. So I created this five tool calendar and it started with my nephews. And basically they highlight and we're, we use it with all of our teams coming into this summer and we call it five tool player development. I call it CPD, complete player development, where we're helping these players develop to reach their ceiling. It's complete player development. It's not we don't we're not even concerned if you're the best guy in your high school team right now, if your ceiling is to throw 96 and you need to throw 96, not 88 and stay at 88 just because you're the hardest thrower at LMU or you're the best, you're the best reliever. So the calendar is just a month calendar. And basically we're going to start doing this with all of our teams. Uh, So it's, it's complete player development. And then we we test, we teach, test, train, develop, teach, test, train, develop all five tools. And the biggest part is testing them and then grading them. So if I know that I am a 78 throwing my arm, uh, throwing velocity, so I'm 78 miles an hour. And I know that I uh, am a, Freshman. Well, if my arm is 78 as a senior, do I have a good arm? No, but if I'm a freshman, pretty good arm, right? 78, right. Yeah, that's pretty good arm. So the question would be is, do you want to be 78 when you're a senior? What do you want to be in six months from now? So what we do is we have these test dates. So we continually test over and over. So guys can do that coming to my showcase camps because we do that. We, we, we test. But with our teams now, what we're going to be doing And I do it with my nephews a lot where we continually test every three months. So if you know that your, your run tools is a six nine right now and you're an average runner and I go, do you want to be an average runner? Do you think you're going to get out of a ball playing middle infield as an average runner and you have an average arm and you're an average defender? You're going to get out of a ball. Well, you're going to look at me in the eye and say no. And I'm going to say, OK, well, what do you do Saturday morning? What do you do Saturday afternoon? What do you do Friday after practice? What do you do Friday morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? What are you doing for school? And you go, sleeping. Well, yeah, while you sleep, I eat. See, it's time to eat. I'm hungry. I'm getting better than you. So it all goes back to intent. And in America, we get comfortable because we're comparing ourselves to guys that are on our team. Or, I I already got a scholarship. What what does that count for? That doesn't mean you're going to be a starter. It doesn't mean you're going to be an All-American. That doesn't mean you're going to lose your scholarship. That doesn't mean you're ever going to get drafted. That doesn't mean you're going to get out of A-ball. So when you create intent for a player and they see that and they can feel it, it changes the way they train. And then you paint the picture. You go. Let me just tell you something. There's five physical tools. And when you get graded, it's not your batting average that I grade you. And I'm just telling you, I'm gonna grade your physical tools. And you want to be a pro. If you grade hours, you blow hours, and your physical tools, you're not gonna be a draft guy. You might get a scholarship, but you're not gonna be a draft guy. So the guy goes, Oh, really? I go, Yeah. You need to be. So we look at the position you play. If you're a left fielder or a center fielder, whatever whatever position you play, shortstop, we look at your tools and we say, Okay, so so. If you're an average runner and you're a shortstop, once again, and you have an average arm, you throw, let's say, 88 to 90 across the infield. That's an average pro arm. Is that going to get you out of A-ball when you're an average runner and you're an average hitter? You've got 270 in A-ball and you throw 88 across the diamond to 90 and you're an average runner, you're at 6'9", you're going to be done in probably two years. I could tell you before it even starts, unless you're Altuve, v that are, is a plus hitter, but L two is a plus runner. He's a 6'4 runner. So, right, so you right. have to get better. So, in the winter, and I've, I've been thinking about this for the last about year or two, I noticed these pro guys, they come back and they don't do anything. It's winter time. They're not getting any better. And they're going, yeah, next year, I hope I'm in double A and, you know, I hope to get to big leagues. I go, what are you doing to get better? Well, they're going to the weight room, but they're just maintaining their strength, most of them. They're not really developing arm strength. They're not really getting faster, most of them. They just go out and take some beeps. They're chilling, right? Play a little long toss. But they're just really maintaining. So when they show up Most guys aren't better. And if I'm not getting better every day, literally, it doesn't matter if I'm in double A or if I'm in eighth grade. If I'm not getting better every day and focusing on the five tools, then I'm probably not going to be playing this game very long. So the Dominicans every day, five tools. They're the only country I've ever seen in my life that focuses on five tools. Every single day they run fast in the sand or up a mountain every day. And you go, hmm, interesting. Why are they so fast? It's not because they're Dominican, right? It has nothing to do with eating coconuts. Literally, it has right, to do right. with running fast, often with intent. So you go, okay, that's just that's the run tool. That's what they do. So they run fast because they're always running fast with resistance. Then you go to the throw tool. How often do they play catch? They play catch 300 and probably 60 days out of the year, and they have the healthiest arms you can imagine because they don't play 17 game travel ball tournaments where you blow out your arm and you have to play seven positions and you run out of pitchers. And then you don't play catch all week because your arm's sore then you got another tournament the next weekend. So we're in this recipe of destruction. They're in this recipe of flourishing as they get older. And they have throw tool, run tool, hit tool, hit for power tool, field tool. And you go, man, these guys got all five tools. Yeah, because they, they train them regularly. So taking that concept, And saying how do i apply that to so last night when we worked out i'll just give you an example we have a tire and it has a bike tube around it two tubes tied together with a loop on the end and you stick that around your waist and we run sprints pulling tires well at the end of our three-hour workout one of my nephews uh, the other one's playing basketball so he wasn't there today yesterday but the other one you know when he's done he has to do he has to pull the tire he has to sprint for 15 minutes Forward, on, forward, on, forward, off. Take the tire off and he does it again. Then he does it backwards. You're running 70, 80 yards, but he's running with resistance, running fast, challenging himself. So you wonder, OK, well, in a year from now, his 7.360 is a sophomore. That's, with, it's a respectable time for a sophomore. Uh, it's actually pretty good for a sophomore. If he keeps working, he'll probably be a 6.8 runner by the time he's a senior. I would say he's going to be a 6.8 runner, but he's not a plus-plus runner genetically, so I don't know if he's ever to break a 6.8, but he'll be a draftable, runner. And then now if he's got other tools, he's got a chance. But if we don't do this extra 15 minutes, three to four days a week, his seven, three will be a seven, two when he's a senior.
0: Yeah, that's
1: great. So for those people outside of California that were wanting to check out your work and uh, check out that five tool calendar, that sounds really interesting. Um, is there a place online right now that they can go and check that out? Um, not, not yet. Um, we're going to have something
2: online called, it's called the Six Tool Nation. And it's about changing the culture of American athletes from the baseball side of the mental game and the physical development. So really it's a full lifestyle um, approach to helping baseball players reach their ceiling. And it's going to be full mental game recruiting stuff, five tool development stuff. So eventually they'll have an opportunity to be members of Six Tool Nation. And um, that'll be out in a while because we're working on it, but but I use it for all of what I do, but to make it accessible to the public, it's going to take some time, but. um,
1: Okay, cool. We'll look forward to that. So um, guys, check him out online. I've got his links down below and uh, again, just really good work online that you can see his videos. Um, you know, a lot of very high level people are following every move that Nate makes um, his infielding stuff's fantastic and uh, it's just really good stuff. So be sure to check him out. Yeah, and if guys can, they can find us on our website at TrotskyBaseball.com and also at
2: Twitter, at Trotsky baseball and um, YouTube, a bunch of videos, join our YouTube page and um, Instagram and all that stuff so they can kind of keep in touch and see what we're doing. And um, it's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, that's great. And we'll have those links below. So Nate, thank you again so much for being here. Really appreciate your time.
2: See you, buddy.